Welcome everybody, and it's that time of the week again, it must be Monday, I've got Eric Bischoff news, Mike Tyson, Flair, and Becky Lynch, and so much more, we're cruising here on Tap Out Talk. And welcome everybody, it must be Monday, and it must be a heck of a week for me to be reporting so early here in the week on Tap Out Talk. It is that time, you guessed it, A-E-W-W-E with a little impact this week, and we're going to get right in. Remember, our feature story of the week is going to be Flair or Lynch. Somebody should have told Charlotte Flair to be the man, you have to beat the man, and the man being the man, Becky Lynch. Big time Bex. We'll get into that here at the end of our program. But first, I want to get into Mike Tyson's next opponent. Um, I want to cover a little bit about um, some of the boxing. And Mike Tyson may have his next boxing match already booked and ready to go. Mike Tyson certainly is one of the most legendary boxers in the history of boxing. Tyson is known for his insane power and intimidating stature. That has put fear into the hearts of many opponents over the years. It seems his next opponent has already been confirmed. Mike Tyson squared off against, if you remember, Roy Jones Jr. in an eight-round exhibition bout at the Staples Center in Los Angeles back on November 28th of last year. The fight ended in an unexpected split draw, but certainly uh, surpassed many expectations. Uh, Tyson being at the age of 54. Uh, Floyd... Mayweather and Logan Paul finally squared off against each other in an exhibition match on June 6th at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida, with a lot of hype surrounding the match. Fans were eagerly excited to see who would come out on top. For a lot of fans, the boxing match was full of entertainment as both Paul and Mayweather went the distance, which was something that many fans did not expect to see, especially with Logan Paul. The match was also criticized by May for not having a proper boxing match. Reports are now surfacing that Mike Tyson is set to make his return to the boxing ring and his opponent is expected to be none other than Logan Paul. The match is speculated to be taking place in February of next year. Mike Tyson had previously stated that he would square off against Logan Paul for $100 million. And from the looks of it, it seems that Mike Tyson might have gotten his wish. And we will have to wait and see if the two truly face each other next year or not. Rumor is, again, to be in February. Uh, This is kind of a crazy situation. Tyson definitely has more pro fights. He has 58 fights to him, where Logan Paul only has one under his belt against Mayweather. Um, Could this be a publicity stunt? Absolutely, right? But boxing needs some buzz matches, and they need to draw products back to the sports. You know, we're long past the days of the Muhammad Ali's and the Tyson's in his primes. And we've and George Foreman's and so on and Duran and Duran and we've moved on to the days of UFC and WWE and then you know uh, we're trying to get these last great matches and um, Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather was the last great match I cared about personally in boxing so I don't know let me guys let me know guys are you guys interested in seeing Mike Tyson fight Logan Paul I know it is a publicity stunt of a bit but um, again anytime you get to see a great like Mike Tyson in the ring. Um, I have a feeling he would knock Logan Paul out pretty heavy because, you know, those skills don't waste. So that's our first story I wanted to get into. Uh, If you're a big Mike Tyson fan, I think you guys would like to know. Let's get our next piece. 
Our next information and piece of news is Jim Ross has been diagnosed, excuse me, <clears throat> diagnosed with a WWE Hall of Famer and current AEW Jim J.R. Ross has been diagnosed with skin cancer after seeking medical attention for a growth on his lower leg. A few days ago, J.R. took to Twitter and shared an image of the growth with the following quote. Been dealing with this for over a year, Ross captioned the image. His continues to quote, potential skin cancer issue, cat scan today, hopefully good results, staying positive. He wrote that before and then adding a smiling cowboy emoji after. Ross issued an update on Saturday the 23rd, um, in which he confirmed that it has indeed been diagnosed with skin cancer by his doctors. The legendary commentator didn't let the bad news bring him down, however. He confessed that he was in good spirits and thanking the fans, uh, family and friends for the support. He said, I'm feeling great and I'm ready to attack. Thanks for the support from so many, he tweeted. Um, you know, this is obviously sad news whenever we see stuff like this. We wish uh, Jim Ross all the best here at Tap Out Talk and... You know, definitely we'll be keeping him in our thoughts or whatever. You know, you guys uh, keep him in your thoughts as he does do a little bit of a battle here with this. Uh, one of the most legendary commentators of all time, and his career isn't over by any means. So, JR, we wish you all the best and all the health in your future. Up next, our next story is cruise control. Um, as you guys know, Chris Jericho is ho- holding another cruise. Um, we're calling it the triple whammy this time, right? And it is actually occurring from October 21st through today, October 25th of 2021. And that's in Miami to the Grand Bahama areas. Uh, the rock and wrestling Rangers at seas are designed to be, uh, wrestling meets rock and roll concerts all on a cruise ship, which is so cool. I've been wanting to go to one of these for a while. It's just our timing has never lined up and with the pandemic and everything, but uh, Chris Jericho is holding another cruise, but some fans have been pretty, uh, it's been a pretty bad time so far, even before they've boarded the vessel. That cruise was a long time coming and they had a few extra things to consider with their unique setup and it didn't help speed things up at all. One fan wrote to Ringside News and revealed that there was chance of we want a refund before fans even boarded the ship. The line to get on the cruise ship is incredibly long and it isn't moving any quicker due to the COVID-19 protocol. He said, we were told that they were waiting in line for four hours, and we were also told another estimated four-hour wait ahead of them. So um, some people were saying that they've been almost waiting seven, eight hours in some cases. Uh, The exact words that he used, the situation is disastrous. Another fan tweeted out, horrible lines for the Chris Jericho cruise. He said, I've been in line for four hours, four and a half hours, and many, many more are behind me even longer. This is terrible. I am guaranteed to miss my dinner reservation and the picks I paid for with at Kurt Angle. He said, yes, some fans paid for things and they won't be able to do now. AW will not actually be airing a live broadcast from the Chris Jericho cruise as they plan to do so. Of course, um, the pandemic caused the cruise to get pushed back in several months and plenty of AEW stars are on the cruise ship right now. Jericho will also be there with Fozzie, um, also promoting his band and uh, playing live. Uh, the experience is likely to be an amazing one if they can actually ever get set sail. So I heard that they did get set sail eventually. Uh, we have received no news about if they've done anything to make amends for the fans or if they rescheduled some of the meet and greets. Hopefully they did do that. I would like to think that um, they would do that and just not let people kind of get ripped off and pay for something. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, Jericho, Kurt Angle, um, a lot of these guys, you know, they don't do a bad job. And, you know, they're pretty fan-friendly. 
Um, I've met Kurt Angle myself, and I know he's the kind of guy that seems that he'll make it right with those fans in some format. Um, so this uh, cruise has been a thing for about three years now. And I mean, it's just so cool, right? You have a wrestling ring on a cruise ship with tons of fans and they just put on a full AEW show really. So um, I definitely think, you know, it's the best of both worlds. You get the cruise element, you get the South Seas and you get, you know, some rock and roll to go. So hopefully they get going and, and let's go to our next story. And our next story seems to be missing. Eva Marie actually is missing. Um, have you guys that you know noticed that at all? I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys have, maybe you guys haven't. Eva Marie seemed to come back with such a buzz and a new persona and a role model gimmick. But the problem is, is Eva Marie has not been seen on WWE television since she was brutally attacked by Shayna Baszler on Raw nearly three weeks back. In this week's Wrestling Observer newsletter, Dave Meltzer revealed that Eva Marie is taking time off programming so she could fulfill her movie commitments. Marie was not assigned to any brand during the WWE draft, and Meltzer also didn't reveal the expected timeline for her return. And his quote is, Eva Marie was written out with Baszler's injury um, and not drafted because she's working on a movie for a while, reported Meltzer. So um, I find this interesting, right? Because a lot of people were really getting on Eva Marie over the years for not really caring about wrestling, not taking it serious, and really just wanting to use the WWE platform to launch a superstar career. And here you go. You've got things like this from Eva, who's already trying to get on TV again or get on to movies. So uh, the reality is, you know, I didn't really miss her. Um, I was intrigued by her coming back, but I told you guys when she first debuted, she's just another diva, right? And so Eva the diva is off being a diva, making movies and such. And I don't know what she actually does for the WWE brand. And she hasn't really learned too much on the wrestling side of it. So uh, not a good look for fans who are already critical of her. Um, Let's go ahead and next one. The next one is Tony Nese is a free agent. You guys might remember Tony Nese. He is a former WWE Cruiserweight Champion. Um, I've actually worked at a show where Nice was heavily featured on 205 Live, and he was kind of their brand champion. He made his debut in the WWE during um, an initial Cruiserweight tournament and then was signed right after that. So... Uh, the interesting news coming out of this weekend is Tony Nice made an appearance on Saturday Night's Dynamite. Nice was shown during the opening match where D- Brian Danielson defeated Dustin Rhodes to advance in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Nice was then shown again during the second match when Eddie Kingston defeated Lance Archer to advance. Both times, the announcers put Nice over as one of the hottest free agents in the industry. After being released from the WWE, Nice resurfaced on the independent scene in September. Wrestling for Daily Wrestling, Create uh, a Pro, Wrestle Pro, and Championship Wrestling from Atlanta. So he's been kind of all over the indie circuit since his release. <clears throat> nice has been a part of the WWE's cruiserweight division since 2016, and he was one again one of the original members of the 205 lo- roster. He won the cruiserweight championship. Fun fact: at WrestleMania 35, holding it until that June when he dropped it to Drew Gulak. Uh, Nice continued to wrestle on the brand until he was released on June 25th, with his final match airing on June 15th, where he lost to I Commend Jiro. Um, So yeah, Tony Nice going to AEW. It's interesting, right? Because Nice is a good young talent. He hits the gym hard. 
You know, I feel like he was trying to be pushed heavily as the face of 205 Live and did not do a terrible job. Um, I feel like the WWE and Tony Nese both did a good job trying to promote him on that brand. But the problem is that he's not a strong enough name yet to really do that. Um, I see him in the same range as Pac. Um, so I feel like, you know, he's in that same brand. I could see him feuding on AEW. I'm kind of surprised AEW's got some interest on him. But, you know, they're in acquire talent mode. And I don't think it's bad. Um, because he is a still younger talent that can be groomed a little bit further in the wrestling world. So we'll keep tuned on this Tony Nese situation free agency story. But the fact that AEW's announcers are announcing it, that tells you it's a pretty much done deal at this point. All right, next up is Adam Cole, baby, and his WWE plans. Adam Cole had to make a free agency. Speaking of Tony Nese and his free agency, Adam Cole had to make a free agency a decision a while back and he did choose AEW over WWE brand. Um, it's been a hot topic in pro wrestling for the last month with fans wondering if he would resign with the WWE or jump ship. And that question was answered at all out when he had joined the elite in such an amazing night. That was the same night that him and Brian Danielson joined AEW at that pay-per-view earlier this week, a tidbit came out about a pitch in the WWE to use Adam Cole as a manager on the main roster. If he re-signed with the promotion, Dave Meltzer, again, who was pretty solid at reporting, um, was indeed the, he said that was the plan he, to quote Meltzer. They were going to bring him up. The idea was to turn Keith Lee heel and have Adam Cole be his manager, probably with a different name because a last name like Cole, <clears throat> he goes kind of like a Leo rush, Bobby Lashley type thing where you have this little guy who's a big talker and he hides behind a big, massive African-American guy, end quote. Um, that was the kind of dynamic that they were looking for him more as a manager than an actual wrestler. I am very shocked at this. Um, what are they doing up there? Um, you want to turn Adam Cole into a wrestler or instead of a wrestler, a manager. Um, and there was rumors that they wanted to like cut his hair and everything. And it just doesn't make sense, especially when you have what is compared to the next Shawn Michaels on the roster. And, you know, you think you would do a little more with him. So I understand why he didn't want to go to the main roster and he stayed down in NXT. Cole has been the top star in NXT for years, and he's one of the most talented wrestlers in the world. But here's the problem. He's not six feet tall. And the WWE has a long track record of poorly booking NXT top stars on the main roster. This has always raised concerns about how the WWE would use Adam Cole if he ever got called up on the main roster. Why do you think Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa have all opted to go back down to the main roster? Even Finn Balor. All right, if you're not a WWE homegrown guy, then it's going to be very tough for you to excel on that main roster. Um, that's just something we've seen. We've seen that with uh, Kenta. We've seen that with, I mean, I could go on and on, right? They just don't seem to cut the gif you know, up there. The fact that Cole was never called up to SmackDown or Raw despite being in the WWE system for years shows that Vince McMahon did not know the value of Cole and brings to the table as a professional wrestler. And then there's the apparent plan for Cole to be more of a manager than a wrestler. Um, none of Cole's stellar work in NXT mattered one bit, it seems. And because Vince McMahon's predispositions about wrestlers' looks are such a huge factor... More than anything else, this plan for Cole is a reflection of just how out of touch possibly the WWE brand could be with the stars that they have with today's pro wrestling fit. 
um, it shows that, you know, Mick Foley mentioned a while back that, and he could be right on the money with the WWE's big problem. Um, Meltzer goes on. He also said that if he doesn't know if Cole was actually aware of the plan to manage Keith Lee or not, the bottom line, it's just a very bad creative idea. And it's so predictable for NXT call-ups these days. And Cole didn't necessarily have to know about it. And they could have just thrown it at him. Um, there's times right now we're still going through shows where there's no plan. They just write the script and throw it at the guys and say, here's what you're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this actually solidifies Michael, or excuse me, Adam Cole's, um, you know, signing with AEW. And I think it, tr- you know, proves that he made the right choice. You know, one, he is a part of the elite. He is those guys' friend in real life. Two, his uh, real-life girlfriend um, and fiance Britt Baker, is actually there and is their champion, right? So this is just an easy plan for Cole. Uh, he definitely made the right fit, and he's going to excel in AEW. All right, I want to go over results and thoughts for Bound for Glory this weekend. And we had a theme on the pay-per-view. Out with the old and in with the new. So we got news this weekend during the show, actually, that AEW and Impact's partnership is over as of this past weekend, which was Saturday night, which was Bound for Glory. And that that partnership and Forbidden Door has been closed temporarily. So this was part of an initial agreement between Impact Wrestling and AEW. And I think it worked out pretty well. I love the fact that there's partnerships glowing. Um, I love the fact that this did happen. They shared talent. And just because the original agreement's over does not mean that these two promotions can't be friends. And I would like to see AEW continue to be friends with Impact Wrestling and New Japan and uh, AAA down in Mexico. You know, let's, let's use the territory concept. And I feel like this, you know, yeah, it did help Impact a little bit more than AEW, but I still felt like it gave AEW some reason to watch. Um, with that being said, that changed the whole scope of Bound for Glory. So we had a lot of different things happen in Bound for Glory. And definitely titles were realigned and reassigned to continue feuds and impact wrestling this weekend. One of the first things was the inspiration made their debut. Cassie Lee and Jessica McKay, as I predicted, did defeat the Decay via pinfall to win the Knockouts Tag Team Championship. And they looked like they hadn't missed a beat. So congratulations to those ladies. Also... Trey Miguel defeated Steve Macklin and El Fantasmo via pinfall to win a three-way match to, for the vacant X Division Championship. I predicted Steve Macklin, but it looks like he is now not undefeated. So Trey Miguel is the X Division win. Um, Heath Slater and Rhino defeated Violent by Design in a tag team match. We got Awesome Kong going into the Hall of Fame, being inducted by Gail Kim. And then we got uh, Moose who actually won the Call Your Gauntlet match, defeating Rich Swan, Brian Myers, Rocky Romero, Madman Fulton, here from locally from Ohio, um, and it's others. That Matt Cardona was in there, Ace Austin. There was a whole bunch of people in this, but it was Moose who in, went on to win the knockout, or excuse me, the Gauntlet match. We also got the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, defeating Finn Juice, David Finley and Juice Robinson, and then. We also got, they and they actually ended up uh, winning the World Tag Team Championship. And we had another major change. We got Mickey James defeating Diana Perrazzo via pinfall to win the Knockout Women's Championship. Congratulations, Mickey. That title is in great hands. And I know you're going to help do some really good work to build up that women's division again. And then in our main event, we did get a new Impact World Champion. And his name is... Moose. Wow, that's right. 
the matchup happened between Christian Cage and Josh Alexander. Josh Alexander defeated Christian Cage via submission to win the Impact title. And then right out of there, Moose was in the ring and he was cashing in his gauntlet championship title from earlier in the night. And so we got Josh Alexander versus Moose. Moose hit a spear on Alexander and he got the one, two, three and new world champion Moose. So uh, we did not see that come and they pulled a little bit of a swerve on us. Um, this reminds me of Bound for Glory 1 that happened years ago in the very first Bound for Glory in which Rhino won the gauntlet match and then used that gauntlet match world title shot to cash in on Jeff Jarrett at the end of the night. So it was very reminiscent of the original Bound for Glory and I felt like they um, maybe they didn't develop a new star here, but what um, Impact Wrestling did is they debuted a new rivalry which is between they got christian cage out of the way so he can go back to AEW, and they got moose and josh alexander as their feature for the main event now so uh good job for their pay-per-view and that's some of my results and thoughts up next eric bischoff has recently revealed his most embarrassing creative pitch ever given to him that he rejected and um, it's interesting because, you know, uh, he reviewed this on his 83 Weeks podcast. And one of the things um, was Vince McMahon tends to have this special club um, of people who want to get ahead in the WWE and save their jobs. And this club was deemed the Kiss My Ass Club, which was given the name for obvious reasons. Um, someone had to drop to their knees and literally kiss Vince McMahon's butt on live television sometimes by force. Members of this illustrious club, the very first was, as shown here, William Regal, Jim Ross, Shawn Michaels, and more have kissed Vince McMahon's bare butt live on television. They uh, couldn't talk Bischoff into joining them. Bischoff recently spoke on the subject on his podcast. Uh, Vince McMahon wanted him to join that club. I bet he did. But Easy e didn't want to pucker up. To quote Eric Bischoff, he said, the only time I spoke up about creative was not too long after I got there. I got an email, um, emailed a scene from the ring, and that scene would have the result at the end of it. And this was back when Vince had the Kiss My Ass Club. It built up and it led to Vince making me kiss his ass in the middle of the ring like so many others had done before me. I read that and I went, that makes no sense. I get it at the moment. I get it for the episode and that was a scene. Yeah, but... That's it's that's not a good scene, um, but in the larger, broader context, it makes no sense. No angle, no build up, no nothing. It's just a spontaneous moment that would have gotten a cheap pop, and it would have absolutely cast a really dense fog over anything else that I was going to do in the future. It would eliminate many potential storylines going forward. Bischoff goes on and says, "I got the email on a Saturday. I was supposed to leave on Sunday and fly to Monday Night Raw on Sunday." Um, to get there. And he said, before I left, I gave a call and said, look, I'll do it. If that's what you guys want me to do, you're paying for me to perform. Um, you're not paying for me to critique your creative. I firmly believe that if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. But here's why I don't think it makes any sense right now, maybe down the road, but right now it makes no sense. I left it at that. I didn't hear another word. I got the TV on Monday and it was gone. Not another word was said to me. Vince McMahon it's interesting, right? Because um, that's the end of the quote. Vince McMahon hasn't inducted anyone into the Kiss My Ass Club for a very long time. And that doesn't mean he can't drop his pants and induct someone next week if he wants to. 
right? His network partners might not appreciate it uh, since it's partial nudity at this point from a 76-year-old chairman on board, but um, they would get over it. Um, Ultimately, you know, Vince McMahon, uh, he went crazy with this thing back in the day, right? He had the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club, and we all laughed. And then he even made a cartoon about it. It was called Mr. McMahon and His Ass, and it was weekly on WWE.com. And it was actually the whole bit of the cartoon was whatever his ass can do, his ass can do all these tricks, and it was its own personality, right? And um, I found him really entertaining. Um, It's interesting that Bischoff would have this pitch because I'm truly – it doesn't surprise me at all because Vince wanted payback and he wanted to show that he won the Monday Night Wars in every way possible. And he loves the fact that Bischoff and Heyman ended up working for underneath him as he towered over them in this WWE structure, right? So, which I do think was smart to bring those guys in. But at the end of the day... Um, Vince wanted him to do that just so it was kind of a trophy, right? That's what I really feel is this was a trophy for Vince. It would have gotten some shock entertainment value, but at the end of the day, I'm glad it didn't happen. I think Eric Bischoff deserves way more than that. Um, and I, you know, don't think he had to resort to those kind of antics, right? I mean, they already threw him in a trash dumpster and did all this, you know, and Vince got to fire him on TV, that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I don't think that segment did need to happen. Um, even though I did enjoy the Kiss My Ass Club and um, even the cartoons. And if you guys can, uh, go back and just YouTube or Google those cartoons. I might have to link some of those on the channel, see if, uh, you know, maybe in my behind-the-scenes section. So let's go on to our next story. All right, so we're going to get into some of the main stuff here. Uh, but before we do, it's we're getting into Flair Lynch in a minute, but... Um, I want to talk about like kind of how this last couple days have set up. So I want to point out what a locker room leader Becky Lynch is. Um, Lynch, after the match in Saudi Arabia, uh, Crown Jewel that we covered last week, Lynch took to her Instagram account saying thank you to all the fans, fellow female wrestlers, and others in the statement. So here's the quote from Lynch's Twitter and uh, Instagram that night. said, tonight was, let me start the quote, tonight was, about so much more than a title. I'll set aside my usual trash talk tonight. Thank you to the women I shared the ring with tonight. You pushed me to do better. Thank you to the fans watching at home. Thank you to the incredible fans in Rodia. Um, thank you or tonight who cheered so ferociously throughout our whole match and making this first trip to Saudi Arabia so memorable and inspiring so much hope for the future of the women around the world. Thank you to the women who have laid the path for us to do the work we do. Congratulations to the first queen of the ring winner um, uh, at Trinidad. So basically, and then thank you to TJ Wilson, 7-Eleven at being the greatest mind in wrestling for the business has collaborating with us and making magic. I'll go back to hating everyone tomorrow and wanting to slap heads. But tonight I just want to say thank you all hashtag and still, and that's the end of the quote. Um, this guys is Becky Lynch taking the next step from great performer to backstage locker room leader. I want you guys to realize that this is Becky Lynch becoming a locker room leader. She put her heel persona on the side in order to put over her fans, to put over her uh, co-workers, to put over the people that have coached the team 
and the WWE locker room and the women's locker room team. She has really grabbed that brass ring right here and become not just a main eventer, but a selfless leader in that locker room. There's very few people that will do that in the WWE. And this just shows that Becky does have that ability. And wow, I'm, I'm very impressed by this, right? Um, so congrats to big time Bex because yeah, this is a big time move. So with that being said, let's go on to what happened on Friday night SmackDown between this tweet on Thursday and the backstage heat that happened between Flair and Lynch on Friday night. So October 22nd, their edition of SmackDown ended with a women's title exchange between Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Yes, the WWE has now has a formal name for these segments and they call them a title swap. It's weird, guys. Um, what happened was they had the Raw and women's titles drafted to the opposing brand, the champions, I should say. So instead of having a match or seven having something or making them vacant, they just decided to make them hand titles over in the ring and hand them and say, here you go, like they're baseball cards. It's the weirdest thing. So let me give you guys the rest of the story here. So uh, this championship swap came about because the WWE isn't really good at planning out these kind of stories more than a week at a time. And at the beginning of the month, the SmackDown women's champion Lynch was drafted to Raw and the Raw women's champion Flair was drafted to SmackDown. That created the obvious problem with both championships now being on the wrong brands and the wrong colors, right? Uh, that also created obvious, so not even just that obvious problem, but the WWE seemingly gave themselves a few weeks after the draft to sort out the situation because the new rosters did not go into effect until last Friday's SmackDown. Um, but the WWE didn't bother to do anything to address that. I think they were so focused on Crown Jewel, right? And so what happens is WWE's solution was to have Flair and Lynch enter the ring together and during SmackDown simply just trade it like a baseball card. You know, or like a Pokemon card. You're trading Pokemon cards back and forth like some little anime, right? And it was a terrible segment in which both Lynch and Flair came off very immature. They came off like um, immature children that just really, um, like they were throwing their toys at each other, really. And Sonya Deville kind of was in the ring acting like the parent that has to scold her children and try to keep peace between these two, right? So as you can see... Um, basically these two ended up swapping out. And according to Pro Wrestling Insider, the segment between Lynch and Flair was not supposed to go off the rails to that degree, uh, that degree overall. Before the show, Charlotte apparently expressed concern that she didn't want to look weak, nor she wanted her title reign to look weak during that exchange. So um, the insider also goes on in the segment to reveal the script. And they said they deviated from it, basically. They said there was a moment where Flair was to hand the belt to Becky, but instead, she pulled it away and threw the belt on the mat, which was not the way it was supposed to go down. At that point, Sonya Deville demanded Flair retrieve the belt and hand it to her, which Flair did. And Deville then asked for Becky's title, but instead, Lynch threw the title at belt at Flair, in which it was not part of the plan as well. The report claims that this led to a backstage confrontation between Lynch and Flair after the show went off the air. So after these two kind of had this exchange in the ring... Um, there was a confrontation that happened backstage between Lynch and Flair over the allegedly, you know, um, disrespecting each other. And Flair said that Lynch tried to make her look bad. And so as they go backstage, one source stated that during the segment that there were loud words between the two. 
and they were told that the situation was heated but did not actually get physical. They just kind of yelled at each other and was, you know, back and forth with each other. So um, the part where Flair dropped the title um, was then ordered to pick it up by DeVille did seem a little odd when you watch it. And it immediately struck me as something that just wasn't part of the plan. But importantly, also, these two, um, Flair was really the outrageous one. Becky did not really come away with any heat on this. But Flair um, got some heat from uh, Vince McMahon because she reportedly left the gorilla position without even talking to Vince, despite Vince wanting to talk to her. And she just stormed out and blew Vince off completely. And it gets further, so this news didn't get out. And then her uh, husband... In AEW, Andrade tweeted uh, WWE Universe, basically, or not, he tweeted the universe, right? And he basically said, you know, the WWE can go fuck themselves, right? So he kind of went into that whole tirade. And we got reports that Flair was actually escorted out of the building. And she got on a plane and went down to AEW Dynamite on Saturday night and was there at AEW to support her husband. So this is an interesting situation right now, and the story just keeps building more and more and more. And what makes it interesting is everybody says, oh, Becky, or excuse me, Becky's fine. It says Flair's gone. There's no way the WWE can keep her, but it's tricky to discipline her because, one, she's such a main star for them. Um, Both of these women are. Both of these women have main evented the very first women's WrestleMania main event. But not even just that, the accolades behind their work and the Flair brand name, right? And the other half of it is Flair still has about two years left on her contract. So it's not that easy for the WWE just to be done. Um, Then again, never say never because anything can happen in the WWE folks. But the reality is, you know, Flair can't ask for her release, but she's not actually going anywhere anytime soon. So I don't know if they have to work a buyout agreement or what, but, or if that's even on the table, but um, you may remember too, Ric Flair asked for his release and he walked about a month or two ago because he didn't like the way that Charlotte was being booked. So it gets very interesting. It's something we're definitely going to keep an eye on. And I'll be interested to see how this performs. And it's going to be interesting too because, you know, Flair technically is one of your brand champions. So what do you do in that case, right? Do you get her to do business? Who do you drop this title to? Um, is she willing to do that? Or will they make amends? So um, I think right now they're going to let cooler heads prevail and everybody just needs to kind of go away and calm down. I think Becky is fine. Uh, a lot of the locker room support has been going towards Becky Lynch because of my previous topic that I just talked about. And I don't think this was a preempted plan. I think Becky truly is a locker room leader who has been known to put over talent and known to do what's right for business. And she's been on that indie scene where Charlotte was groomed in the industry as a child, but then also given a lot of advantages, but she did work and hard and earn, you know, every right to be in the place she is. So I don't want to take that away from her. Um, we're going to keep on this story, but you know, kind of tell me what you guys think. Um, is there any wiggle room here to make this work? I mean, the WWE has proven they can make it work with Sasha a while ago, or is this just a done deal? So guys, that's where I'm going to leave us off for today with some backstage heat and, Um, I did have another story that I wanted to get into, but I had to cut it from today's show and we'll get into it later on this week. But at the end of the day, I want to say thank you for supporting the channel. Thank you for being a part of Tap Out Talk. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. It helps. And for now, you know what it is. It's game over.